0: Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette, featuring cis admin expert Don Pizzette, security specialist Daniel Lowry, and Peter.
1: Good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. Welcome back to another episode of the Technado podcast. I'm your host, Don Pizzette, here today with my roving band of. Uh, Merry men and women. Uh, We got a a, a, a bit of a rotating cast today. PVR is out attending a conference, uh, uh, DattoCom, right? I believe is where he's at, DattoCom. So he's out there, and we we brought in a special guest to fill in for him. Uh, We've got Mr. Daniel Lowry joining us uh, as usual. Hey,
0: how's it going? I feel like I should be like... I should have a loot or something if I'm a married man. Yeah. And a green hat. Yes, a green hat with a feather. And tights.
1: Yes. (laughs) We could do the whole Robin Hood men in tights? Yeah.
0: Dude, that show is funny. I don't care who you are. One of Dave Chappelle's first movies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right.
1: right. He was uh,
0: Blinken. No, he wasn't Blinken.
1: No.
0: No. Blinken was a blind guy. Oh, that's right. He, he was, I don't know, uh, I forget yeah, I his name the movie, to honestly. I, I
1: do remember being in there. Uh, you know, these are important uh, tech matters to cover, <laughs> which is why we brought in a special guest this week. Miss Sophie, how are you doing?
2: Yeah, I, I wish I knew what you were talking about. I just- wow, <laughs> oh,
0: you've got I homework.
2: Yeah, yeah. No, but yes, I'm here filling in for PVR, probably for one and one time only, because I think when he comes back, he's going to be upset at the mess that I left. So <laughs> we will see uh, how well I handle myself today.
1: Well, I know you were you were on the podcast a couple of weeks ago subbing for me. I, I was mm-hmm. out, and uh, I don't know if you did a good job, bad job, whatever, but I'm I sure it, it's, it's a pretty low bar. It's pretty hard to do worse than Peter, so I think you'll be fine.
2: He said he picked me because he knew I could do it without threatening his job. So <laughs> you got uh, a plan
1: for that. Yeah. All right. Well, we got a lot of tech news to get to today, and Sophie, you are you're driving driving the ship this time around. So uh, why don't you tell us what's our first article?
2: So first up, uh, we've got Apple kills the password in iOS 16 and macOS Ventura. So the password's not dead, but it's I guess in the death throes. Uh, it sounds like Apple is looking to replace passwords with passkeys. Uh, from what I understand, it's made up of a, a key pair, a public and private key. Um, so it's like a password, but it's really, really strong and hard to break, I guess, um but I guess the server never learns what your private key is. It only knows the public key, but it can still verify whether you're using the right private key. Maybe you can explain that to me because I don't understand.
1: <laughs> yeah, Apple uh, Apple had a lot of announcements this week because they, they had their big uh, September 7th event, the Far Out event. Uh, this was an iPhone event. And, and normally we get some good stuff out of these, like when they, they release a new Mac OS or whatever. This time it was just new iPhones and they're. I don't know, the same as the old iPhones. Uh, But one of the big features that people are excited about in iOS 16 is the support for passkeys. And I say iOS 16, it's not just limited to the phones. It's coming to macOS, and they've worked really hard to follow the FIDO Alliance standards, which means... This is coming to everything. Any, any web page or application that needs authentication can leverage passkeys like this. And Apple's not the only one working on it. A number of big companies are in the FIDO alliance like Google, Microsoft, obviously Apple. Uh, and so we're going to see more and more products from them supporting passkeys like this. Some password managers like KeePass made an announcement saying that they will be supporting passkeys as well. This gets really confusing. KeePass, passkeys, password <laughs> solved. Blurs together, but the technology is really super slick. It's it's actually and, and Daniel, you, you probably think the same. It, it's actually a lot like SSH when you do certificate yeah. authentication.
0: Yeah, really cool. It's basically, you just say, "Hey, I've got my private key. You've got my public key. So all I got to do is encrypt something. You can verify I am who I am because you can decrypt it with my private or my public key."
1: Yeah, and, and the best part is that that private key never crosses the network ever. Yep. So what's significant here for Apple is that you generate that private key on your phone, and it goes into the secure enclave that's a part of the A, uh, shoot, the
0: uh, weather that thing that is Apple called. uses. Well, you know, the, the A15, <laughs> A16
1: processors, they have a, a security chip on them that I've forgotten the name of. Yeah. But it creates a secure enclave, and that's where the private key gets stored. And when you go to a server to authenticate, the server has your public key. So you have a public key that you distribute and you don't care if anybody out there gets your public key. Anybody in the world can get it. Who cares? posted on, it. Don. Is that why they call it a public key? <laughs> it is. <shocking>. Holy crap. <laughs> and the public key only allows you to encrypt data. It doesn't allow you to decrypt data. So the server can create a challenge and the challenge can be simple as like, what's one plus four? Uh, right. It can be whatever, right? And then it encrypts it with your public key and sends it to you. You would be the only one who could decrypt that to see the challenge answer it and respond, and so now they know that it's you. So, it's a a really neat system. It's not new by any means. Like I said, SSH has been doing this for 20 years. It's just that we're now seeing it where there's a framework built around it, and vendors can start to support it. Apple is obviously pushing really hard for it, uh, for a a number of reasons, but we will see more and more adoption of this coming down the the line. Microsoft has already said they're going to support it. Google's already working on it. Uh, Another number of other vendors are as well. So, It'll be really cool. Uh, the nice feature to me, though, is that they're working on a process to help with signing up, cr- like creating a new account on a site where potentially you don't have to give that site any of your information, no email address or anything. You just generate a private key locally, send a public key up to them. Mm. That becomes your identity. And then off you go. You have total control of the data you share.
0: Now, Donna, is they're going to be I mean, it, it seems like. This is specific to certain things like web applications. Obviously, this, this is amazing. This works really well. But what about like my local machine? Are we going to start seeing that? Are there always going to be those certain spaces where the password is king and you just can't really utilize something like this?
1: Well, you know, uh, Microsoft has already laid the groundwork for this in Windows with the Windows Hello system, mm. and so it has a lot of compatibility with the FIDO Alliance. They haven't gone all the way; like you can't log into Windows with just your UBI key, for example. Right. So you get have that have more. Uh, the system they're working on is is kind of neat, where they have it where the application on your computer can display a QR code, and then you take your phone and you scan the QR code, and then the phone will connect with Bluetooth to the computer to then transmit the acceptance. We talked about and say this, didn't in. we? Uh, this seems
0: this sounds familiar. I don't recall. I but thought we did.
1: The Bluetooth piece is important because if I generate a QR code, like Somebody could be scanning that remotely. It could be a fake code or whatever, but the Bluetooth connection wouldn't be there if it was remote or if it was a a false. So it has to be
0: paired along with the QR. It's kind of almost giving us some sort of multi-factor kind of thing.
1: So they are thinking about it in terms of desktop applications, and they are—you know—this is this is beyond just Apple. This is something we'll see over the next couple of years start to roll out in apps everywhere. Nice. Wow. Yeah. So it's uh it's pretty significant. I, I, kind of wonder sometimes uh, for like the average person on the street, they probably don't care. Yeah. It's like an extra level of complexity, but it'll actually make life easier. Um, do either of you or Sophie, do you use like Apple pay or Google pay?
2: Yeah. I use, yeah, use Apple pay from you're,
1: time to time. You're an Apple person. So, uh, when you do Apple pay, you know, you go up to a gas station, whatever you tap your phone and, and that does, or if you have an Apple watch, you do it that way. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but when you have a credit card attached to Apple pay, when you go and do a payment, it's not actually transmitting your card number. It generates a unique card number for that individual transaction every time you do it. And it's invisible to you, so you don't realize it. If somebody were to steal that credit card number, it doesn't matter because it was only good one time. And that's the only time it was used. They and can't that do one time right is now. over. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and so it's, it's something that most people probably don't care about, but it really bumps their security up to the next level.
2: Yeah, th- there's definitely been, especially like you said, at gas stations, um, even at gas pumps where they've got now you can use Apple Pay as, as opposed to a card. I've known people that will, well, that's not as secure. I'd rather just use my card. But it, it would be more secure to use Apple Pay in that instance, right? Because yes. With got all the what? time
0: you spend at gas stations, that would oh, be really good for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely.
1: <laughs> yeah. You can have panhandle where you can. Yeah, that's right. Where's <laughs> Sophia? Oh, My there she is. My standards are low. Yeah, <laughs> she's washing windshields at the gas pumps. <laughs> the bar is low. <laughs> <laughs>
0: got to get that four loco money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, well let's uh, let's jump on to our next one. What do we got?
2: So this next one is a cybersecurity concern. It looks like it says, uh, As "Ex Uber executive heads to trial." The security community reels. This is from Slashdot. So Uber's former chief of security, his name's Joe Sullivan. He's facing criminal charges um, due to a mishandling of a security breach. Back in 2016, and from what I've read here, it sounds like he was a pretty highly regarded guy. I was a federal prosecutor back in the late 1990s. He was one of the first to work on cybercrime cases um, and then jumped into corporate security. But he was fired in 2017 due to that issue with uh, the security breach and ended up getting a new job soon after that at Cloudflare as chief of security. But uh, he was charged in 2020 with two felonies as a result of that issue at Uber. And so now we've got other chief security officers, I guess, that are concerned about being held liable or legally for things that maybe the company did wrong or mishandled, and they're going to be financially viable for that. Is that right? Uh,
1: yeah. You know, so it's, it, it's an interesting story. The, the thing that happened years and years ago is, you know, while he was the CISO for Uber, they had a breach. Uh, an attacker got in, got Uber data. And what they did is instead of disclosing to their customers that a breach happened and whatever, uh, instead they reached out to the hackers And they said, "Hey, um, if we pay you, I forget how much—something like two hundred or three hundred thousand dollars. If we pay you, let's just say two hundred thousand, would you sign an NDA (laughs) and and say that it was consulting that you did, like you know, uh, like a pen test, and and then you know, it wasn't a breach; it was a yeah, this was an authorized whatever." so it turns out you can't do that. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, you
0: can't whip out the pen test fairy and turn, wave a magic wand and go, oh, this wasn't a breach. It was a penetration test.
1: And so what, what he's saying is, look, you know, it was the company that made that decision, not me individually, but I'm being sued or held liable or you know, get criminal charges against him. And uh, Uber said, no, sorry, dude, that's on you. And so he had to sue Uber to cover his legal fees for the other side. So it's all going back and forth. And what people are trying to figure out now is If you're a CISO, so if you're in charge of security and your company has a breach, it's kind of a given that you're going to get fired, right? Yeah, I was about to
0: say, isn't that like synonymous with alcoholic? Yeah. (laughs) Because it will drive you to drink. uh, uh, You know, a CISO's
1: job, in in the media at least, a CISO's job is to get, to to fall on their sword, basically, if a breach happens. Uh, But now, if they could have criminal charges put against them because of, you know, a breach, well, People are worried about that and people are starting to get up in arms, but they're losing sight of the fact that this guy tried to destroy evidence. Right. Yeah. You know, the, the, the fake NDA well, it was a real NDA, but it was just, you know, <laughs> yeah. a fake pretense. Uh, that was that was fraudulent activity. And that's where the real kind of crime comes. It's it? a
0: little fraud between friends, Don. Come on, man. You can be such a stick in the mud now daniel you
1: (laughs) i think we've talked about this before like outside of the the podcast because you create hacking videos
0: and training and stuff on youtube do
1: Do you ever worry about the legal ramifications of that
0: uh so actually i did for a while right i was i was a little worried about like should i be saying because i i don't typically go hey don't use anything that you see on my youtube channel for you know wicked purposes don't do that i once in a while i might say that but uh, by and large i don't i'm like do I need to tell people to not break the law? Is that like how it works now? Do I have to also say, "Hey, don't murder your neighbor and eat their skull"? You know, that's um, that's that's something that should be inherent to everyone that you should just know. I think that's gonna be the quote <laughs> of this episode yeah. right here. If we did episode titles, that would be it. Don't don't. You like how your... I qualified the murder as some sort of also cannibalism? I
1: don't like how you went to eating their skull. Though, yeah, because well, you know that's bone a marrow. Bone. Yeah,
0: bone broth is is very marrow very a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, I would wonder, is there bone marrow in the skull? (laughs) Let's (laughs) find... Who's got a computer? (laughs) All right,
1: if if you out there know that there's marrow in the skull, please uh, like and
0: subscribe or whatever. (laughs) That's the kind of viewer we want here at Tech TechNATO. <laughs> Sucking the marrow out of a skull piece right now. Oh, man, me get on my keyboard. What a
1: coincidence. <laughs> All right, speaking uh, of skull marrow, there's uh, activity in the world of wireless, right, So There basically. is,
2: yeah, yeah. Great segue, Don. Thank you for that. So uh, this next one is, is about uh, Wi-Fi 7. It says Intel and Broadcom demo Wi-Fi 7 transfer, transfer speeds of, I think that's 5 gigabytes per second? Uh, it's not gigabits,
1: right? It's it gigabites.
2: is gigabit. See, gigabit. It
1: is lowercase b is a bit. I had a
2: 50% chance of getting it right. You're and I 100% can't read. wrong. I can't read. So this is from. Uh, <laughs> she 100% doesn't care. <laughs> this is from uh, tomshardware.com. Uh, says this over-air transfer is five times faster than Wi-Fi 6 can achieve. Uh, maybe I just don't pay attention. I didn't realize there was Wi-Fi 6 and Wi-Fi. It's like the Fast and Furious franchise. <laughs>
0: like It's going to be
2: Wi-Fi 8 uh, Tokyo Honestly, it's I think
0: next. that she's pointing out a very important piece <laughs> of information here. It's no one really gives a crap, usually, as far as the consumer goes. They're just like, it gives me Wi-Fi then? It's just yeah. Wi-Fi. I don't and <laughs> it's a little bit faster. Oh, it's a lot of it. Well, hell yes. Yeah, sell me that. I like it.
2: I didn't realize it was a franchise. She's so. holding out
0: for Wi-Fi high and Shaw yeah yeah, yeah. that's the good one right there the rock is in it it's amazing well
1: it's it's better than it used to be right it was like Uh, 802.11ac and 802.11n and you didn't know which one necessarily because that's true yeah it's a whole mess there you
0: just know seven higher than six that's how numbers work so therefore
1: you assume
2: it's better yeah right
1: I thought this article was kind of timely because just last week we talked a little bit about wireless and how they were achieving some of these higher speeds. And so Wi-Fi 7 is the one that is is leveraging some really neat technology. So you've got three different frequencies at work. You've got the uh, 2.4 gigahertz and 5 gigahertz, which are both used today by most of our modern wireless networks and Wi-Fi 6. And in Wi-Fi 7, they're going to add in the 6 gigahertz frequencies, which are unlicensed frequencies that are allowed for personal use without being registered with the uh, FCC. There we go. FCC, thank you. Uh, And so... They're, they're open for anybody to use. And so newer antennas, as you buy newer laptops, newer phones and stuff, will actually be able to connect on all three frequencies at the same time. What? And if they do that, you'll be able to achieve up to 5 gigabits of bandwidth. Now, why this is significant is that most computers today still come with just a one gig wired connection, right? You can get a 10 gig, there's two and a half gig, there's 40 gigs. You know, you can get some that are like that, but very, very few people are wired for it. Gigabit Ethernet is kind of the standard wired connection. So we're we're finally at that point where the Wi-Fi will be not just faster, but like significantly faster than a wired connection,
0: assuming the network is not congested. Ah, so at full capacity, you'll be receiving those lovely five gigabit speeds, but if you're, you know, some hardcore gamers in your house and everybody's playing a different game or streaming services or something like that, you're probably going right. to see, it, did, did it kind of go into the idea of how much less or like how much latency would you uh, experience and that kind of stuff? Or just, are they just kind of like marketing, Hey, five gigabit speeds, <laughs> They they are just marketing the five gigabit
1: speed. So that is a single transfer yeah, pushing in yeah. a controlled environment. Uh, they could sustain five gigahertz that way. But in reality, it doesn't work that way, right? Uh, when, when you have an access point, it's got antennas. Yeah, and a, a single antenna can only send or receive data. At, a, at, at any time. given time. Yeah. It can't do both. It can't send and receive. It can't receive data from two people at once. It they can't, keep hoping though. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's a, a collision type network. It's a mess. So that's what slows things down. And that's why when you see some of those really fancy gamer routers, they got like eight
0: antennas on them and stuff. It looks like something out of the Wild Wild West movie with yeah. Will Smith, right? Like yeah. Upside down spider. Yeah. <laughs> you killed it, now it's dead. <laughs>
1: It does look like a dead spider. It if you does, think about doesn't it? it. <laughs> Technology is grand. Um. That's why they call it the web. That's right. But, uh, but yeah, so it doesn't change that. You still need a bunch of antennas, and they do have like MIMO technology, multi-in, multi-out and all that, but it's still based on having a lot of antennas. But having the extra speed is kind of nice, and we'll see this dropping in the next couple of years. So if you're thinking about upgrading your wireless right now, uh, the 6-gig stuff is going to get cheaper, and seven uh, Wi-Fi 7 is right around the corner. I said 6-gig. Yeah, meant you meant Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi six. 6.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. now the neckbeards can put their pencils down and they're, <laughs> I we'll make never, a notes to write to Don. <laughs> we'll never hear the end of it on
1: all those social media networks that yeah. I don't look at.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Don can't wait to not read your comments. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. You might as well post on MySpace. That's right. <laughs> The only social platform he's still on. That's right.
1: Yep, you find me, find me in the Yoo-hoo, Yoo-hoo. 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 Yahoo, Yahoo, <laughs> Yahoo Fantasy Football chat. That's yeah. uh, <laughs> sponsored by Yahoo. <laughs> All right, I think we beat a dead horse on that yeah. one. Let's <laughs> let's jump to our next one. Sophie, save us.
2: So this next one uh, is about Twitter. Twitter had an issue with one of their data centers recently. No
0: one cares. (laughs) That's what I'm thinking.
2: (laughs) This is Extreme California Heat knocks key Twitter data center offline. This is from CNN. So due to the extreme weather uh, going on in California right now, Twitter's Sacramento data center experienced total shutdown of its physical equipment on September 5th. Uh, So it's in a non-redundant state, basically meaning they've got two other data centers that are still running, I think in Portland and Atlanta. But if one of those were to go down, they would not probably be able to service so what, traffic. Was this
0: a hacker named Extreme Weather? <laughs> <laughs> Knocked a data center down. He's sitting at his
2: desk, he's got yeah, his
0: hood up. Yeah, that's what's up. No,
1: it's fancier than that, right? It's force majeure. <laughs> force majeure. Oh, yeah, that's look at the, you. Uh, mm. Insurance name. So <laughs> so, uh, so I, I found this interesting uh, for a number of reasons, right? So one was the fact that Twitter just has three data centers in the U.S. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Now they're
0: down to two.
1: <laughs> <laughs> for, a, for an online company like that, I, I just assume they had more. Now, now, we are just talking about the U.S., right? So, they, they right. do have data centers in Europe and South America and Southeast Asia. So, they, they have other data centers out there. But in the U.S., they only have three. And I, I say, it like, oh, they only have three. Like, there's somebody's desktop sitting yeah. in one. and But these are massive. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> it's all running off of a yeah. gateway PC. So, <laughs> into the epc Uh, that's right Uh, so so they do have these you know rather large sophisticated well built out data centers uh but it's not as redundant as it could be and i I think back to the early days of twitter now i remember using twitter when it first came out and do either of you remember the fail
0: whale no so i've only had twitter for like two minutes and I was like, this is dumb. And I turned it off. Mm. I, think, I think I
2: was six years old when Twitter first came about. So I, I probably was not nice. mentally present for that.
1: So have you, have you heard of the fail whale? Cannot say I have that I have. Mm. Wow. All right. So in the, in the early days of Twitter, and really it was like for the first three or four years, Twitter failed pretty frequently. And when it did, when it would go offline, they had this status page that the good had, old like days. A, had a, a sad whale on it. And uh, I don't remember why
0: it was a whale, but it's what they had was a, it running in Docker or something. Was it like the Docker? Uh, this was pre Docker. <laughs> oh, OK. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't so, even know when Twitter came out. That's how much I can't Uh
1: it was, it was 2006. It was. <laughs>
0: there you go. Yeah. yeah. Back before everybody thought Ashton was That was, Kutcher but, that was, was before super YouTube.
1: <laughs> sure. Right. Because yeah, YouTube came <laughs> out in
0: 2007. Right. Mm. Something about right. There, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. I'll, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> so it used to fail so often though people called it the fail whale and you, you just expected to see it like once a month but now they've grown into this massive uh multi-billion dollar organization that can't sell itself uh <laughs> and, and so they, they don't fail very often and they didn't fail this time either that that's worth pointing out right so the the data center had to go offline because of temperature it went into thermal shutdown which is just in, uh, insane uh but they still had two other data centers and what they were saying is while that primary one was down they were still fine, but if they lost a second one, they'd be in really bad shape, right? So they, they wouldn't be able to service everything that that it would – basically be at like 50% capacity. So some people would get the fail whale instead of actually nice. getting the Twitter page. Uh, it didn't happen, right? So they, they, they data center came back up the very next day, and, and they were back at full capacity. Uh, but it was, it was really interesting, and I couldn't help but think on a smaller scale. Like if you have a, a three-disc RAID 5 array and one disk fails – Mm. All right. Hey, Rate Five just did his job. I'm still online, you know. I was calculating from parity, but. I lose one more disc. You get really nervous. And, and for that next day or however long it takes you to get another hard drive, you're Especially nervous.
0: Especially when you realize you bought that from a batch. And you're like, this is failing soon. Yeah.
1: And then you pop the new drive in. And if it's big enough, it'll take hours to rebuild. And you're like, oh, great. So now it's it's reading and thrashing all the other discs. It's just a matter of time. Yep, That's a nail-biter. And that's apparently how it was at Twitter last week. Well, good.
0: <laughs> i like it when they have crappy service it's
2: <laughs> just funny to me because it said that there was a whistleblower who i guess i guess used to be the former head of security for twitter that mm-hmm. said this was going to be an issue that they had insufficient
1: and they were like yeah
2: i'm like was nothing done about that you your head of security like you didn't think that maybe that was important
1: you know i i don't know what to think about that part of the story and i i didn't there was a whole other kind of side thing I, I'll, I'll try and Try and be factual on it, I guess, uh, and not stick too much opinion on it. But Twitter years ago hired a very famous uh, security researcher whose uh, whose nickname was Mudge. That's what he was known in, in the oh. various communities. I forget what his real name is. Um,
2: Zako uh, is his last name, which yes, is fun.
1: Yep. So, so they hired him on as their chief security officer, and he was there for for several years. Yeah. Uh, and then he left, uh, and I don't think he was fired or anything. I think he just left. And he came out very recently, uh, and people are saying that it's potentially timed with Elon Musk trying to get out of the the Twitter purchase deal. But he came out and said, look, I warned them about their poor security practices and their poor redundancy, and they didn't do anything about it. And I'm blowing the whistle now and saying this is all stuff they should have done. People are questioning the timing of it. Uh, but then it gets a little seedier because they just paid him $7 million to shut up. Oh, and, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. So Twitter Twitter just paid him seven, I believe it was $7 million, somewhere around there, uh, oh. to to stop blowing the whistle. <laughs> How about that? And, uh, and he stopped blowing the whistle. Um, <laughs> but now Elon Musk is saying, well, wait a minute, this guy knows something, and I want out of my deal. So not yeah. that's not really tech news most right, people right. care that's, about. But, that's more uh,
0: financial information.
1: But I think... Having three data centers, having one go offline and the, the people didn't even notice it, like that tells me their, their stuff is set up pretty well. Hmm. I, I find it hard to believe that they're like, you know, uh,
0: running on popsicle sticks and chewing gum in the background. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Anything I, possible. I, I'm really kind of hoping in the back of my mind that that is true. <laughs> <laughs> we ran this large organization and technological giant on the gateway PC. Is that, <laughs> is that renewable energy, chewing gum? Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just wind That's it up it. and it spins out for yeah. a little while. You got to feed that mouse. He's going to stop running that wheel.
1: <laughs> oh, goodness. I can't believe it. Now I feel old that neither of you have seen the fail whale. Uh,
2: I'm just out of touch. I'm
0: old so. enough yeah. to have seen it. I just don't like Twitter. <laughs> well, there is that. You,
2: you missed it by choice.
0: Yeah, I did. I did. Happily, I had no reference of that. All right.
1: Well, we've uh, we've made it through our tech news. We do have a couple more articles we want to get to. We've got a uh, a dough segment and a tinfoil hat. So we'll get to see who screwed up and who's uh,
0: crazy as a coot.
1: (laughs) Crazy as a coot. Uh, (laughs) That will be our second quote of this show. Uh, So we've got that coming up. So stay tuned. We'll be right back with more Technado
0: after this. Welcome to IT Pro TV, an e-learning company with thousands of hours of engaging video training for IT professionals with fresh content added daily. What makes IT Pro TV stand out? It all starts with our edutainers who create better-than-classroom experiences for training you look forward to watching.
1: So an edutainer is someone who takes a topic, an, an educational topic, and makes it more fun, enjoyable. My vision for IT Pro TV was to make the product that I wish I had when I got started. The dashboard
0: is great because you can actually pick up right where you left off. You can also end up seeing new courses that are available to you, and with a membership, you have access to a variety of study tools. Follow along with virtual labs and test your skills with practice tests. And unlike traditional training, you aren't handcuffed to your desk. Sure, you can watch from there or from your couch with Apple TV and Roku apps, or from anywhere with mobile apps. The training is even available for download. If you're ready to watch and learn with the IT Pros, check out the flexible membership choices online today at www.itpro.tv.
1: Do you know what's better than being an IT Pro TV member? Being a member for free. Hi, I'm Don Pazette, co-founder and edutainer here at IT Pro TV. Once you sign up for an IT Pro TV personal membership subscription, you'll automatically be part of our referral program. Then all you have to do is share your personal referral link and code with your friends and colleagues. Every time one signs up, you get money off your subscription. Sign up enough and your membership is free. That's right, access to all your favorite IT training, totally free. Kind of feels like stealing, doesn't it? Check out the link below to learn how to get your code and start sharing today. All right, welcome back to TechNado, everybody. We're gonna dive right back in with our next segment, uh, which is which is what I've gotten confused now. Sophie, where are we at?
2: As far as I know, you named it "Who Got Pwned," but you keep calling it something else.
1: Oh, so I, I, I don't do know. tend to do that, don't I? <laughs> <laughs>
2: now I'm confused.
1: It is a security segment, so, uh, so <laughs> <laughs> let's run it. So
2: this one is about. Uh, when I first read this, I was no I was really concerned because to it's about. Know, uh, so don't. don't. There you go. There, there it is. It is. There's the a dose. little animation. Now it's a dose segment.
1: Yeah. No matter what, yeah. that's what it is. So this Forever. one, it's
2: it's a, it's called GIF Shell, or GIF Shell, I guess, Uh-oh. if you're not educated. <laughs> GIF Shell, uh, it's an attack using Microsoft Teams GIFs, or GIFs. Uh, so I was concerned when I first read this, because I, I use GIFs a lot in Microsoft Teams, because I'm a fun person, and I, and I like to do that. But it's an attack technique that allows threat actors to abuse Microsoft Teams for, I guess, phishing attacks, or to execute commands, to steal data using GIFs. Um, and it bypasses certain security controls and uh, modifies attachments. So <laughs> I then, love the
0: confused look on your face. I, I'm, I'm primarily confused because I'm reading this and
2: Microsoft's like, yeah, we're not going to do anything about it. Because it requires that a user's already compromised, I guess. So technically it's not an issue with Microsoft, It's it? I guess a user issue. I don't know. I'm I'm a little confused.
1: Yeah. No, this one this one's uh, kind of interesting. So Microsoft Teams is an Electron app. We talked about that last week, uh, and so because of that, it's it's fairly complex. It's got a lot of, of infrastructure behind it to make it work. And that can be taken advantage of. There's a, a lot of vulnerabilities that can be found there and, and taken advantage of. And in this case, they found a creative way to do that with animated GIFs. Now, animated GIFs are kind of neat. If you take the file format, uh, normally when you get a, an image file, like a PNG or a GIF or whatever, uh, it's just a binary encoded picture and, and that's it. But a, an animated GIF is actually an archive. It's kind of like a zip file almost. And if you were to open it up, it has individual pictures that represent each frame and so when the animated gif plays it opens the archive and it starts displaying image after image after image and that's why they don't typically have sound either because they're just the image files uh, although they, they can in some scenarios have sound it's a whole weird standard uh, but that means that teams or any other program has to do a little work to display that animation and any time an application has to do work to display something That's something a hacker will try and take advantage of, especially when it comes to like opening an archive because there's self-executing archives and ones that can contain executable code inside of them. And in this case, an attacker found a creative way to do that where they can actually create a reverse shell using an animated gif in other words you you just think you're viewing a picture of homer sinking into the bushes or whatever and in reality you're opening up a remote shell where an attacker can get into your system even when you're not looking at it seems pretty scary but when i read through it the way it was described like step one was they had to get a foothold on your machine they had to put a uh uh, some kind of a responder or something like that on, on your machine that they could reach out to and talk to. And then when the gifts were loaded, it would catch those and, and react. So I always make the argument of, Hey, if they've already got to get a, ho- a foothold first, then they could have just used that. They don't actually need the gifts. So this didn't seem like a very practical attack to me, but I wanted to get your opinion on it, Daniel.
0: Okay. So this is a very complicated, uh, way to compromise. So say, so, Doing the the reverse shell portion, yes, the machine has to be compromised. But this researcher found a way to compromise the machine and drop what's so going The word you were looking for, Don, was a stager. Right? Oh, so, yes, yes. So the reason we use stagers is because they don't necessarily do anything malicious. So therefore, they bypass any kind of security. So stagers are really great because they just go, hey, I'm not really doing anything. I'm just, just kind of hanging out. But if some other thing happens or a time occurs or whatever, then it reaches out and allows for the malicious activity to take place. So this is kind of like that, that that's what they mean by this being like a multi-step. So this person did find that they could send, uh, from an external entity through teams, because you can do that by default. I can send you a message if i am also a teams user even though we're not sharing an organization or have any kind of connectivity i can send you a message and inside that message i can modify that message because by default i can send you a message but i can't send you an attachment so what they did was they sent an attachment to an organization they could send attachments to grabbed that information modified it so that it when i send you an attachment basically bypassing that security. Hmm. You You get the message. It looks like a regular JPEG or something like that. You click on it, and it actually runs code, right? And what it does is it drops something on that starts looking at a specific folder area, which is a log file, which is accessible by anybody that's on the system, right? This would be the Teams, the application itself, any user that's on the system. It can look into that log file. It monitors for the download of a GIF. If I send you now, I send you that GIF. Well, I've got the stager on there. The stager can look at that GIF. It's base 64 encoded. It has some specific ideas that it should be looking for to let it know that, oh, that's that's the payload I'm looking for. Once it sees that, it de-encodes that information, runs the the shell commands you're looking for, encodes that information as it's done, Puts that as a file in there and then looks for... Actually, I think it reaches out to... Yeah, it's reaching out to your attacking GIF teams and sends the request there. And then it says, oh, well, I don't have that file, but I'm going to de-encode this information. And that is the output of this command I ran. It's very complex in the way that it runs. It has multiple steps, which is why Microsoft was like, well, not any one of these things is a serious concern. The problem was they didn't see that as a whole. If I ran every one of these things in succession, I would successfully be able to even do things like a NTLM hash stealing uh, because I can run code uh, with that dropper section. When I send you um, that initial stager, that initial stager could run remote code and then grab your password, run its, Uh, back to my machine, make that request with that information and I can crack that or I can send that along to the domain controller and make requests on your behalf because I have your NTLM hash. So a lot of moving parts in this. Very complex, very cool if you're into this kind of thing, right? Because you basically get access to their machine with the stager. From there, you have a covert channel that's bypassing all of team security because it looks just like normal team's activity so it's not seeing it as it's not looking into that it has mechanisms that are saying well this is trusted therefore i don't need to check it so it's bypassing all the team's security giving them shell access through a covert channel very cool stuff
1: all right now building on what you said the security researcher that found this bobby roush he did report it to microsoft back in may microsoft did not respond uh they reported it again in june and Microsoft uh, has just chosen not to patch or has not responded on this particular one. So they did responsible disclosure. fast forward to today. Now they've done public disclosure, but this is not patched. Uh, does that mean we need to worry about this?
0: Does it mean you need to worry about it? Well, now that there's so there is public exploit code for this, so you can download both the the drive by download, the staging type of thing. That, that's the it's like a PowerShell file and you can download the server side where you can send commands and receive the output from bobby Rosh's git page so our github um so yeah I, w- I would think that it wouldn't be long where we would start to see this being exploited in the wild honestly it's it is complex but apts and things like that would probably start looking at this as a legitimate way because all it takes is a good phishing campaign and then bada bing you're gain you're gaining access to systems <laughs>
1: Now, as an individual, I'm not sure what you could do, but if you have a Office 365 or Microsoft 365 subscription in there, you can disable messages from external recipients. Correct. Uh, you know, the, you have to look and see whether you're actually using that, but it, it, for uninvited guests, for people that are just trying to email in from the outside, you can block that type of communication. So it might be worth looking into that uh, until a patch gets out, but I imagine Microsoft will probably respond a little bit faster now that this
0: is out in the public. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. Hopefully. Hopefully.
1: <laughs> All right, so um, that one, I mean, I guess we could say it's a who got pwned, but I liked it to be a, a dough a little bit better just because
0: Microsoft had the chance to fix it and didn't. Yeah, I, I would agree with that because no one technically has been pwned yet. Right? Yet being the operative <laughs> yeah, word. Yet right? being the operative word. I feel like there's some Russian hackers out there going, This looks good. We will use this. Yeah. I like it. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank
1: you, Bobby Rush. <laughs> All right, well, let's jump to my favorite segment, which is the tin foil hat segment.
2: Yeah, speaking of Russian hackers, I guess it's... Uh, the landing oh, wow, fake. we have another All animation. Look at me. that. You've never
0: I watched watch six, 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 story. Story. <laughs> I didn't realize y'all did it every time. Do you like, oh, understand that? This, yeah. is,
2: this is new <laughs> for me. Wow, that's... It keeps going. Okay. Well, speaking of speaking of Russian hackers, or I guess Ukrainian hackers, uh, in this case, uh, this one's from NDTV.com. It says Ukrainian hackers honey-trapped Russian soldiers by using fake profiles of women. So it's an organization called Hack Your Mom. Funny. Started by (laughs) uh, a Ukrainian IT expert uh, with the help of some additional hackers. I believe they're up to 30 now that are doing this. So what they're doing is they're using fake accounts uh, with photos of attractive women to lure Russian soldiers into, I guess, uh, unintentionally disclosing their location, and they then forward that information to the Ukrainian military. So it's like I guess catfishing with really, really severe consequences for the person that gets catfished because it's not like you're just, oh, I bought an Apple gift card for this person because I thought they were a pretty girl. It's like, oh we might die. Like, I've doing this yeah.
1: off, you know? <laughs> you know, the dating scene is so hard these yeah, days. Yeah. <laughs> Even during wartime. <laughs> so I thought this was really neat because they're creatively using what would normally seem like completely useless skills to actually achieve something cool. So first off, catfishing, <laughs> a dating site. So that's one. So they're pretending to be uh, various available women. Hot singles in your area, I believe. Mm. <laughs> and so <laughs> posing is that. Uh, and then the second thing that they're doing is they're basically Basically, doing geoguessing. Do you guys ever do geoguessing? I, I've never. I, I mean, I know what it is, but I've never done it. Yeah. Uh, you're familiar with it, Sophie?
2: I think I've watched videos of people uh, doing okay. it, but I've never done it.
1: I should clarify. I have watched videos of people doing it. I'm not, I can't do it myself. <laughs> but yeah. the idea is you, you get a picture of somebody and based on items that are in their background, you figure out where they are. And so these available women in Ukraine uh, are basically asking these people to send selfies and saying, hey, uh, hey, GI, or whatever yeah. I don't know what the Russians <laughs> call it. Comrade. <them>. Uh,
0: <laughs> send, me,
1: send me a photo of you, you know, in, in action. Uh, battle, yeah. battle action, <laughs> let's clarify. Uh, <laughs> What's this <and>, side again? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then basically they okay. get the picture, and then they take the background and figure it out, and they actually found a, I mean, we'll call it a hidden base. It wasn't like yeah. buried or anything, but uh, but they were able to locate a a military base outside of a city that I. Don't know if I can pronounce it right, but Melitopol, uh, and they were able to turn that over to the Ukrainian military, which then was able to act upon that intelligence. Really, really creative way to use stupid sites like, like dating <laughs> systems and things to to figure out and, and actually get intelligence. Would this be classified as uh,
0: OSINT? Or what yeah, would I think be? it would be under OSINT. I mean, using open source intelligence, and, um, and of course, then there's the idea of the, the social engineering as well, right? They are social engineering them into giving that information to them so it's a little one-two punch there i think this would fall under both of those categories so the important
1: lesson here is the next time you're on a dating site you're on match.com or whatever just know that during might be, wartime yep 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 you know i, I kind of wondered about that all right so and you know there's yeah. all politics around this and stuff too but you're, you're a soldier in an invading army yeah you're you're in a, a country that you're actively trying to take an over. occupied city and you're on a dating app like yeah. uh, exactly what do you expect to happen yeah. there do, do
0: you think this is going to end and <laughs> you know hey, I want to get with uh, Marisha here and uh, on this weekend
1: it, it does so say pretty.
0: <laughs> they used uh,
2: they used several social media networks including Telegram so I wonder if they were just it was just kind of on any site they could find Instagram Twitter whatever and is yeah. Telegram but, then, but also a social media apparently i but
0: i, I thought mean, it was just like a messaging app
2: i think you can post stuff on Telegram i think but that's if, public for everybody I think so. For okay. people that are on Telegram, maybe they tweet
0: like. it out like
1: for a good time. Call. Hit me up yeah. on Telegram. <laughs> <Yeah>. but but <laughs> your
2: but what you said still applies if you're in the middle of. A war. What, what are you? Why are you on Twitter? What's the point?
1: <laughs> what do you have in common? Like, oh, you love Ukraine because you live there. I love Ukraine because I'm trying to take it over. Yeah. And, uh, I think we that's a match made in heaven, yeah. right there. I'm yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: actually on my way to you right now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's what the, the whole story behind the war It's Just one big love connection. Yeah, I'll
0: make yeah. sure that we don't, you know, firebomb your house. Yeah. <laughs> From Ukraine with love.
1: <laughs> but you know, uh, soldiers are people, and so they, they have needs, have done. the same flaws that all people do. <laughs> uh, but I, I think this is a very creative way, though, that shows where. You know, sometimes we think of cybersecurity researchers and people as, as not really being able to contribute in an all-out war. But here we see more cybersecurity warfare or cyber yeah. warfare in general happening than ever before. So it, it's really Absolutely. neat.
0: Yeah, this is like what we're seeing now is is setting the stage for how warfare happens. From here on out, we got to start like teaching these kids at West Point and whatnot how to create a fake profile. On yeah, Tinder. right. All right, gentlemen. Today is creating a catfish profile. So you know this whole new meaning to the word sock puppet here, boys. I got, I got my PhD in catfish. That's right. <laughs> Crazy.
1: This is the best
0: article we reported on this year. Really, really, it is. I was trying to tell them about the uh, my favorite last year, which was the ebay people that were sending like oh, the spiders and, and, and yeah <laughs>
1: so crazy how to cope with the loss of a spouse yeah, yeah i forgot stuff. about that yeah
0: <laughs> so insane i don't uh, know if this one will make that list but uh-huh. it's pretty good we shall see yeah
2: <laughs> i don't think i was present for any of that so nah. I time to do some research i guess yeah. yeah
1: all right well you know uh while we're on the topic of really exciting things if you are watching this episode right as it dropped Boy, you should stick around the IT Pro TV website because we've got a webinar coming up. If you go to itpro.tv slash webinars, these two chuckleheads, Daniel and Sophie, are going to be on there talking with John Strand from Black Hills InfoSec about stuff, right? Uh, <laughs> what, what
0: are you guys talking about? Daniel? Anything cybersecurity related. This is a uh, very you and us, right? This is interactive. You get to be part of it. Put your questions in the chat. We're answering that junk live on air. That's the whole purpose of this, is to have someone come in from the outside who's a well known and respected person in the InfoSec field, like John Strand is. And you get to ask us questions. We get to answer those questions, ruminate about those things. And, uh, yeah. Uh, wax eloquent. So it should be a good time.
2: Yeah, I don't know. This is the first I'm hearing of it.
0: So
2: (laughs) I guess (laughs) we'll just have to figure it out.
0: Who are you two people? What am I doing here? (laughs) Yep.
1: So that will be an exciting one. Again, you can check that out, itpro.tv slash webinars. And then, you know, we like to hear from you at TechNado as well. You can always jump over to technado.com to view all of our past episodes and uh, and even send us communications. Remember if you send some listener email in or whatever uh, and we cover it here on the podcast, we'll give you some Technado swag, a chance to get a t-shirt or some other items, uh, stickers, things like that. We've got it all. Uh, and even in this episode, I don't think I mentioned it, but our, our very first article where we were talking about uh, passkeys, that was a result of some listener email. They asked us to talk about passkeys a little more because we covered it very briefly a few weeks ago. So we, we love to do that stuff. Just reach out to us on uh any of the various means technado.com is an easy way or technado, our other website it's actually the same site uh or social media i joked about not looking at social media but we actually do look at our social media quite a bit in fact that's you the people. only <laughs> reason we pay peter uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so so uh you can reach out to us on twitter and youtube and other areas as well we'd love to hear from you guys
2: yes yeah, send on a message tell him if there is actually bone marrow in the skull
1: uh, which we did look up during the break, and yeah. there is bone marrow in the skull. We uh, yeah. we, we were able to decipher that one. Uh, Sophie, thank you for filling in for Peter. You did a great job.
2: Of course. Now, if you could just unchain me from the chair, <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: that would be great. You can uh, turn that radiator down, too, Don. <laughs> <laughs> they moved me out of the basement. And that's yeah. really all that I can ask. So, so it, was, uh, it was fun. I had a good time.
1: So, you know, uh, this is your second time having been on the podcast. Uh, the, the old saying is, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So, yeah. uh, do, uh, do you think you will ever be back on again
2: <laughs> uh i think for the right price no yeah it
1: was,
2: <laughs> it was a good time I, I like doing this kind of stuff because i i sometimes will watch it after the fact or I, I will come i'll walk by and see y'all you know in here working on this stuff and it always just looks so fun and i'm on the outside looking in so yeah. now i get to be on the inside we'll for make however sure send
0: you spiders and don't kill yourself folks.
1: <laughs> <right,
0: that's> right. <laughs> all right well ladies and gentlemen hope you
1: enjoyed it and uh you know be sure to tune back in next week for more TechNado. We'll cover great tech news, all sorts of exciting things always happening. Thanks for watching. Signing off for TechNado. I'm Don here with Sophie and Daniel, and we'll see you next time.